What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcasts, fresh off Memorial Day weekend. We've got a loaded show for you today. Nick Nurse is now the Sixers head coach. Game 7, thoughts from Celtics Heat. We've got Scott Rowland going to the Wall of Fame. We'll have Rush Joy coming on in about 15 minutes. DeAndre Hopkins, a late Friday release from the uh, from the Arizona Cardinals. We'll talk about that. And uh, TNT leaving flyers off the graphic. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. What's up, big dog? It's good, Pagan. How was your weekend? I celebrated by just pouring a bunch of gasoline down the sewers like a real American. Yeah. And it's electric bullshit uh, uh, lawnmower stuff that I keep getting on my timeline in the last week. You're still hung up on the electric riding mower thing? It moved better than I thought it was going to. Yeah. It's a great vehicle, man. Like I said, we'll get you up here and you can ride around in it. I don't know where the I don't know where the gas thing came from, though. Is, is that a bit you're doing? Are you trying to be like a uh, like real American, like a real American man? Yeah, I'm trying to be real, real live American right now. Okay, Tony and Bruno. Battery. Be, Tony Bruno would be proud of me. <laughs> and batteries are for pussies, right? Yes, exactly. For a soy boy for a soy boy for liberal uh, liberal losers. Like myself. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, Nick Nurse. Yeah, look at that. That picture goes hard. Do you think Nick Nurse would go gas or electric? Uh, Where's he from? He's from like Iowa, isn't he? Well, let's take where he's from out of it. Let's take him as a whole. It's important, I think. Do I think he would go for gas or do I think he'd go for battery? I don't know. Aren't the Canadians libs? But they have all the gas up there, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's from Iowa. He's definitely a gas guy. Nick Nurse is definitely a gas guy. First thoughts of the uh the new hire. I like it, man. I think when we did the list of um you know potential uh, hires when Woj put out the candidate list mm-hmm. last week or the week before. Uh, we both had Nick Nurse up there, pretty high, right? I think he was my number one. I forget what he was for you. He was your number one. He was my number two, but I had Jay Wright up there, so I didn't think that. Uh, which, which was you know, put an asterisk on it. I you know say he's coming or he's not coming, but uh, no, Nick Nurse is a, is just a solid, quality, stable coach, man. I mean, if 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 you're looking at a balance of you know on one end of the seesaw, you have a guy who's like really good with X's and O's and it's going to get into the tactics and the, the strategic side of the game and really micromanage and get the whiteboard out, okay. And then on the other side of the seesaw, you know, you got a guy who's going to you know really connect with the players, be a players coach, you know, let them have their freedom to to create and, and do what they want to do on the court. Uh, he's he's probably somewhere right smack in the middle. Right. I mean, don't we think like he's got enough acumen as far as the, the you know, play calling and dialing shit up when necessary. But he's coach. He's been around long enough and coached enough stars that he's not going to get, you know, like marginalized or bullied by, you know, like a like a LeBron type of. Type. Well, you know, LeBron's not the best example, obviously, but like, you know, Embiid's not going to walk all over him. And if Harden sticks around, he's not going to do that either. Like he's, he does enough to command the respect of these dudes. But um, you know, he's not going to be as passive as Doc. You know, he's not he's not going to sort of throw his arms up in the air and be like, "All right, we're going to dump the ball into Embiid and we're going to let James Harden, you know, run the point and run pick and roll and and find his ISO matchups." Like he's it's going to be more than that, you know. I think he's a perfect hire for every faction of the Sixers fan base. I'm back in. 
and mm-hmm. it doesn't take me a lot to be back in. I am an internal optimist, as I've, as I've mentioned before, but I was, I was really out. I was all out on this team. I hated that Game 7 performance. It did uh, feel a little bit better after we watched Boston yesterday do the same exact thing and lay down and die. Yeah. Um, but I think for, for Nick Nurse, you have your process-trusting faction of the fan base who love analytics and love guys who can make in-game adjustments. And then you have your other old-school uh, Sixers fans of a guy that loves defense and is going to hold and beat accountable. I think that's the main thing. He's going to hold and beat accountable, and it might rub and beat the wrong way, and Embiid might be never be beloved again in this city after he requests a trade after a couple years because it doesn't work out. Or he takes his, his next step, and he becomes, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of photo. Athletes. I'm excited to see what Tyrese Maxey, what he can unlock with there. Obviously, we know with Fred Van Vliet uh, there, he became an undrafted free agent all the way to an all-star, I believe, in about 2020, 2021. Uh, Fred Van Vliet did quote tweet the uh, the tweet as well. He is a free agent this year, 29 years old, point guard. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see if he'll come there, um, providing some more, uh, some more resources to the Sixers. Were you surprised when you think about it, obviously he's the connection to Daryl Morey. Obviously he wants to coach the MVP, but he said no to probably a better team, I would say, and a more well-positioned team to win the title in Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and the Phoenix Suns. Were you surprised yeah. by that? A little bit, a little bit. You know, I'm also a little bit surprised that maybe he didn't wait um, a little bit longer to see if the Boston job would open up. I hear you on that, yeah. Even then, I mean, they've got their questions too. It's like, you know, I don't think they're going to pay Jalen Brown. And then you've got Tatum, you know, coming back, uh, you, you know, an aging Horford doesn't have much time left. I mean, Marcus Smart, I, I don't, I don't know how, how, you know, how you don't think they'll pay Jalen Brown. Dude, after eight, after eight turnovers in game seven, can you? Uh, isn't that the thing they can't pay that they, but, but isn't that the thing? It's like, are they going to pay both, both him and Tatum at the same time? You know, that's always been kind so of wide open. <clears throat> I guess. I mean, well, well, okay. So Phoenix Suns versus Philadelphia 76ers, which one is the best job? Who plays in the, in the, which conference gets you to a, a championship? It gives you an easier path to the championship. The East. Does you think Milwaukee's falling well, off? Well, well here, here, here's, here's what I think. Here's what I think. And mm-hmm. it all, I'll, uh, I'll tie in why I think they, they run it back with Jason Tatum and Jalen Browns because I don't know. You look at it. Milwaukee hires a rookie coach. Yes, they have Giannis, but now they have a, a rookie coach who's going to go through his up and ups and downs. Embiid and Maxie are the two best players right now in Philly. We don't know what's up with James Harden. We don't know what's up with any of the other free agents and whatnot. Jimmy Butler is going to be 34. Um, is C- Caleb Martin's about to get paid. I, I, I don't know if the Heat are going to pay him. Yeah. Um, can the Cavs and Donovan Mitchell take the next step? I don't know. I mean that's probably a sexy pick if I ever if I ever saw one that um, for next year if anyone's looking for a future on that I would check to see what they are to win the Eastern Conference Finals and then you know Wembenyama's headed to the West the Knicks the Nets the Hawks the Raptors the Bulls they just are always stuck in mediocrity that if you don't run it back with a 24 year old and a 26 year old no matter how much you're paying them I mean the uh, I I would be shocked if the Boston Celtics let them walk I mean they just they they they. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of them because you know, like, like I want to be like, I want to be critical and I want to laugh at the Boston Celtics, but then I'm like, I can't because we did the exact same thing in Game Seven, and I just feel like we're a bunch of losers that like we're laughing at. Yeah, like, that feels losers. a hollow. Yeah. It's just losers it's, losing, laughing yeah. at losers. It's yeah. like who can lose in the worst fashion. Um, but yeah, man. I, I mean, Boston has probably the best future if they do sign Brown, in my opinion, to. Uh, 
to win a title. I mean, the East is wide open. I think you're right. And I think, you know, if you're looking at it from Nick Nurse's perspective, it's like, I just got fired, but I've got an opportunity here to coach the guy who just won MVP. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's hard to turn down. You know, I mean, Embiid is the best player that was available to coach at any one of these um, places, you know. When you look at the familiarity that he has with <clears throat> with Daryl Morey, uh, albeit you know a small overlap when they worked together and, and knew each other. Obviously, Nick Nurse is with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers from 2011 to 2013. Mm-hmm. They were the G League affiliate. You know the Rockets at the time, so <clears throat> you know it wasn't like he was coaching for Daryl Morey in, in Houston, but you know he was part of the setup. And I think that that familiarity probably combined with the thought of like. Hey man, I get to coach the MVP here, and I'm gonna get a get a shot at trying to, you know, pull the best out of him. I mean, that was probably more intriguing than, mm-hmm. you know, going out to Phoenix with the Kevin Durant who's been injured every year and and a little bit spotty over there. I mean, maybe there's there's maybe Phoenix has hit their ceiling. Okay, if you um, think about it. This is the best player he's gonna ever coach. Like, well, I, I mean, he, Kawhi, he, was pretty, Kawhi was pretty damn good, but yeah, Kawhi was very good. Yeah. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but Kawhi doesn't have any. He's got Finals MVPs under his belt, but he doesn't have an MVP under his belt. And and I'm kind of on the other hand, where it's like, who gives a shit now about the regular season? Because I mean, as a Sixers fan, you've seen them play well in the regular season from first seeds, the fifth seeds, the fourth seeds, the third seeds, the second seeds, and they still lose in the second round. So you're kind of like, screw the regular season, prove it to me. And that's what we kind of were talking about in the beginning. Yeah. But this is the best player he's ever coached. And if I know there were some negative things about, you know, he's going to run him into the ground. You know, he uh, he has issues, you know, um, uh, there's a couple 500 seasons mixed in there and stuff. But like, if, if you yeah. look at those Raptors teams, man, he got the most out of those teams. He was like Doc Rivers when Doc Rivers was shorthanded. Well, let's go. We can go over that real quick. You know, so he he comes in for Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey's fired, right? Um, he was Casey's assistant there for a long time because he because Nick Nurse left the Houston setup after they won the G League title in 2013. So he was with Casey for five years as an assistant. And then he <clears throat> got the head coaching gig. They traded for Kawhi, traded DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi. They go on and they win the title, you know, that year. And then the year after that, Kawhi leaves. This is like an answer to the criticism of like, okay, he only – he won it because he had Kawhi and he rode Kawhi to a title when the Warriors were banged up, right? And they only had like Steph or whatever, you know. Um, it, but, but the following year, you know, they, they lost Kawhi and they won 53 games. Mm-hmm. And they finished second in the East. They swept the Nets in the first round. And then they went to seven against Boston in the bubble, right? So the following year is when people people point to that like 20-something win season that they had the following year. But people got to remember, man, Canada had some fucked up COVID restrictions that forced them out of there. They had to go down to Tampa and they had to play out of Tampa. And that that screwed them all up. And um, I mean, I, I honestly would – I could take that season and just throw it right in the trash. You know, it doesn't mean anything to me because they were the, the Tampa Raptors for a time. You know, but then they came back after that and they won 48, 48 games the next year with Siakam and I guess Scotty Barnes was rookie then. They still had Fred mm-hmm. Van Fleet, OG, Ananobi, Ananobi. I don't know how we're saying this name. I hear it differently all the time. Um, but, I mean, like a, like a core of decent players, but, but no, like – no superstars, you know. And no, then Siakam they, was right on that, right on that like cusp of like being a superstar, but he never really yeah. took that next mantle. Great yeah. number two, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's building a team around <laughs> Pascal Siakam, you know. Um, so I, you know, and then they fall back to five hundred this year and kind of just you know 
peters out, but you can definitely put a lot of um, there's definitely a lot to be gleaned from looking at those couple of years after the title year, you know, and um, sometimes you just hit a hit a wall with the coach. And, and that's why Monty Williams and Nick Nurse and Doc Rivers and all these guys were available, you know, um, so you go on the coaching carousel. But I think it's a good hire, man. I'm just it, it's still it, it's funny, though, man. It's still Embiid, you know, it's still about Joel. You know, that's why you get the people are like, you know, like, OK, Nick Nurse. I like Nick Nurse, but I'm not going to jump back on the Sixers band bandwagon just because they hired a coach. It's still about Embiid. And it's still about if Daryl Morey can put together the right team. I mean, you've got a competent coach there. That's only that's only one part of it, you know. So that's why that's why you see Sixers fans who seem to be like, oh, okay, but I'm not like, I'm not gonna you know start doing backflips here. Yeah, I have nothing else on on Nurse. If you want to move along, um, the only other thing I would say is that they so you and you mentioned this briefly, I think, but he is no Nick Nurse is known to play his his starters like decent minutes in the regular mm-hmm. season. So Siakam last year played 37.4 a game. Van Vliet uh, played 36.7. Scotty Barnes, 34.8. OG, 35.6. So so Embiid last year played a career-high 34.6 minutes per game in 66 games. So really the question is, he's got the the MVP, right? That's out of the way. So, I mean, did they come in and, like, reinvent their approach to what they're doing with him yes. from load management perspective and say, like, look, we just got to get him to the playoffs healthy. He yeah. won the regular season award. The hell with all that. Like, we got to go back to doing what we were doing a couple of years ago. It's like he's not going to play any back-to-backs. We're going to manage him, try to get him, like, 50, 55 games, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be, right? Yeah, I, I think he'll play 50 to 60 games for the rest of his yeah. career. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be because there's no there's no – you know, what's the justification otherwise? I mean, you look at Boston losing game seven on their home floor. I mean, they had, yeah, I think the stat was that they went five and six in the playoffs at home this year. So what did the number two seed do for them? Not really. So if you're saying to yourself, you can afford to lose some some games and fall a bit down the standings. I mean, look at Miami going to the, the finals, you know, as a play-in team, you know? So I think, I think if you had to weigh, you know, seeding versus – you know, keeping Joel and beat healthy and delivering him to, to the playoffs, then I think you're you're leaning much more towards the latter now. Yeah. I want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins because uh, that was a late one o'clock, one thirty on uh, on Friday Memorial Day weekend, and you know that might as well be five o'clock, six o'clock on a, on a regular Friday when it's Memorial Day weekend and people are already headed down the shore at noon. Um, a shocking release from people from what I from what I read and whatnot. I know people were talking about uh, you know, get that cap out of there for for the Arizona Cardinals and everything, but I was I th- I thought they would trade him. Um, honestly. But uh he had that video that came out the other day and he named all the quarterbacks that he wanted to play with, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts was obviously in there. Brandon Marshall did say uh, Dak Prescott, and he just totally blew it off, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, he had Pat Mahomes, then he had Josh Allen. That was his top five quarterbacks. And then you look at it right now, and you're looking at it over the cap, and the Eagles have the most room to play with under the salary cap right now, followed by uh, the the uh, the Chargers, who are just underneath them, followed by the Ravens, who just obviously uh, gave – Odell Beckham Jr., $15 million, followed by the Bills and the Chiefs, who basically have no cap to play with. Um, there is a, There was a tweet that came out today saying that the Bills and the Chiefs are in an arms race to go get DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. What do you think? Do you think the Eagles are already set at wide receiver? 
Do you think the Eagles could add a third wide receiver to the uh, the team? God forbid one of the other guys gets hurt. What do you think? Well, I mean, the natural thing that you're going to ask is, are there enough targets to go around for all those guys? You know, and um, Quez Watkins, so say DeAndre Hopkins comes in and he's playing wide receiver three, which is just feels weird to say, you know. Um, but Quez Watkins had 50 targets. I think it was like 51 targets last year. Um it's not bad. That's a lot of targets for a third wide receiver. That's a pretty good amount of targets. Yeah, I mean, but you're also playing in an offense that dominated time of possession and just moved the sticks and just created more opportunities for everybody. But, I mean, between A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, uh, you know, um, De- you know Deion- DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, what are, the, what are they going to s- split it up? You know, how many snaps is Jalen Hurts going to get ca- carrying the ball how many you know option looks are going to go to 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 pulling it and running versus you know possible targets for these guys? I don't I don't know. I don't know if there's enough to go around to justify pulling them in, but if you could, it'd be amazing. Um, I just don't know if that's their their biggest need right now. I mean, this offense is already elite. It's like we talked about, man. It's like when we talked about drafting uh, Bijan Robinson. I mean, what do you, what do you do? Do you go from elite to like really elite? Maybe you yeah. have to. I mean, well, but what's the incremental like like value, you know, versus like adding, you know, trying to add somebody on the defensive side of the ball, like a, another late, late season, late off season signing, you know? Um, I don't know. I'll entertain it, but it's just I don't, I don't know. I don't know that D Hop Im- improves you to like. I don't think that the net benefit that you get there makes you. I don't know. I don't know. It, de- it depends on if you think like you just, you just, you know. Forget about the defense entirely and just try to go overkill on the on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> I just keep going back to like yeah. you're gonna have to beat some teams this year. Just it's gonna be a shootout. They have a tough schedule this year. Yeah. I mean, Bills, Cowboys, Chiefs, Jets, Miami. Like those are all gonna be games where you're gonna need the defense to step up. And sometimes the defense just isn't gonna step up. So can you win more in a shootout? You know, you're coming down to the uh, 16th, 17th, 18th game of the year, and you're fighting for the division right now against the Cowboys because maybe they go, you know, 10 and 7 instead of 12 and 5. You know? Looking it up now. And um, so DeAndre Hopkins last year had 64 receptions on 96 targets. Quez Watkins had, geez, let me see. He had 33 receptions on 51 targets. So. It's almost cutting it in half if you're going to do that. But you know, on the other on the other side of it, it's like if you pointed to anything on the offensive side of the ball and say what needs to be upgraded for the Eagles, like they would point to Quez. I mean, fans would say Quez. You know, like if that, like if that play in the Super Bowl went differently, you know, then who then who knows, right? Um, but <laughs> I don't know if it's that that much of an if you can make that much an investment in improving wide receiver three. But I mean, really, it's that and right and right guard, right? Is nobody's concerned about anything else? the offensive side of the ball other than um right guard and two positions yeah and right. the running back room staying healthy yeah right guard and, and wide receiver three so uh, you know again i just think it's like a philosophical thing if you just want to say like fuck it we're gonna try to score 50 points a game here let's let's bring on rush joy let's get his uh let's get his thoughts on it he's been sitting in the background in his very pretty black white and orange room rust DeAndre Hopkins, 610-632, yay or nay? I guess. Oh, wow. Thanks for bringing the energy. Well, I, what do you, I mean, you going to Bender this weekend? Uh, what? I like <laughs> to go to Bender this weekend? No energy? There, there are two. I have four kids now. 
There are two uh, there are two schools of thought, right? Like I I'm not interested in seeing Devontae Smith take a less role, a lesser role. And I don't think that DeAndre Hopkins at this point is better than AJ Brown. So uh, it doesn't make sense to move any of these guys into the slot. Hopkins, I think, works better as an outside receiver. So, uh, and again, I, I don't want to put Devontae underneath. So, I mean, would it be nice? Sure. Like for depth, it'd be great. If you're going to kind of do like a, a constant rotation on the outside and let these guys burn, like burn secondaries late in games when the legs are tired, like, sure, that could work. Like, that'd be cool. But I just don't see it. I, I certainly, though, would not be against making the move because of what it could do to Quez Watkins. Like, I have no no real interest or loyalty to Quez after a few blown, you know, receptions in the Super Bowl. So, you know. Like how Russ Thanks. always tells me to, to get off the fence and have a take. I'm sorry, did, did uh, Captain Prius riding mower decide to I pipe was, in? What's that? I, I think it's a good idea, but I could also see it's not a good idea. Well, you could you know. sign him, but I could see them not signing him also. <laughs> it depends on you. Uh, guys, hold on a second. I'm just going to try really quickly here to uh, match my shirt to my skin to my closet door. Uh, <laughs> But I'll tell you're you who, uh, I'll tell you who pretty well right now. Yeah, it's like a green screen behind you. I'm not that. Well, way, you man. Would, uh, I got some. Awesome. Italian, I got some Italian. I get tan. I get tan. It just takes a while. So, uh, no. But Russ, Russ kind of stumbles into a somewhat of a good point there when he says that it's not. You, if you're going to bring in somebody like that, it can't be. That can't be at the expense of Devontae Smith, right? You're not. You wouldn't be bringing in D Hop here to take away. You know targets from him and snaps from him it just doesn't make any sense you're set there he's also so. under the best contract too Devonte. so like you're yeah. you're looking at not just short term but also long term he's got the best cap hit you're gonna have to extend aj brown presumably d hop's not gonna want a one-year deal i know the contracts aren't guaranteed in the nfl you could cut bait after a year or whatever but like yeah it just doesn't make sense it, the only way that you do it is if Devonte and aj brown are on the same page about being fine with sharing those receptions or those targets, and uh, I don't know. And Jalen Hurts actively advocates for it. I, I again would, I would have much rather see them make a move for a standout running back than for a receiver in We've free agent. What? What's that? In the stable. The what? We've already got six in the stable. Yeah, I, I, I like a standout running back. I don't know if I like this running back by committee thing, but we'll see. Maybe it'll We've be. Had a running back by committee since like Brian Westbrook was here. Mm-hmm. We had that one year that we running back by committee was DeMarco Murray. And look how that turned out. So here's great. here's the targets for each of the Eagles players. So this year, A.J. Brown had 145. Devontae Smith had 136. Dallas Goddard had 69. Quez Watkins had 51. Yeah. But you're not, you're not, Kenneth Gainwell had the fifth most targets on the team last year, 29. Miles Sanders only only caught the ball coming out of the backfield 20 times on 26 targets. So, I don't know. They were just really top-heavy with that. But uh, – but still, I mean, like 51 targets for a wide receiver three is pretty damn good. I mean, I, I don't remember. Tor- did Torrey Smith have that many during the Super Bowl year? I can scroll back through through here and look through it. But I don't I don't know if even but even that I mean, like if, if DeAndre Hopkins comes in here, you asking him to like cut cut that in half. You know, does he want to win? That's the question. Just, right? Yeah. Like you've, you've been on the Texans all your life. Now you just did the Cardinals. I, I don't know though. Like if if he would go to say Kansas City, he probably is a top two guy, right? 
Oh, he's number one because Juju's number two, and then Nicole Hardman is he still even there? So like, there, there, there's your perfect scenario. Like that's what makes the most sense for him because it's a legitimate chance at winning a Super Bowl, and he gets to play, you know, the the top dog if he wants to. There aren't many teams that have that. I mean, I guess you could try to make a case Baltimore could have some space. Yeah, they but, they have good cat they have good cast space, but they just paid OBJ. Are they going to really give two wide receivers fifteen to twenty mil? It'll be interesting. And I, I just don't I don't know how much cast space the Chiefs have, but I'm under the impression that they only have like one to two million left. They would have to do a lot of cuts and and, and all that stuff, or he would have to take a pretty favorable deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's we're we're kind of just going into like sports radio talk right now, where it's like, should we do it? Should we not do it? I mean, everyone would want it, but is he going to really do it? Yeah, should they play? sign a uh, player X got released? Should the Eagles sign? I think player it goes to the Browns. Browns. we so got a good Browns? break here, but uh, on on the other side of the break, I'm going to explain why the why Howie Roseman would be committing organizational malpractice to not sign DeAndre Hopkins. Get in on the <laughs> so phone lines. Had, we have we have some lines open for the first time today. 610-632. They're wide open. If you call, you get in now. Um, so the wide seven seven cars for kids. Take your car today. Go ahead, Kat. Wide receiver three in the last couple of years. The year before last, uh, Rager got 57 targets. Then the year before that, Rager got 52 targets. And then the year before that, uh, Greg Ward got 40. But that was like a weird year with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Both. That was when they didn't have any receivers or whatever. So like somebody, whoever's coming in is probably getting like 50 to 55-ish on average. Targets. I have a wide out opening and I need one now. Call DeAndre Hopkins. 877 catch now. Hey, hey, that was pretty good. That was good. Good Bye, guys. Good job. Hey, Ross, I want to talk to you because you haven't watched Succession yet. Kevin, you watched Succession? I watched like half of one episode and I didn't continue it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like your kind of show. Um, You're not caught up yet, though, Ross, right? No. Although okay. I think I think investor Jeff just dropped a really big spoiler. I've I've somehow avoided virtually every not really. spoiler. It's not no. good. Okay. I mean, it's uh, like so. This yeah. is the thing. This is what I want to talk about. Spoilers. Now, first, I think HBO has to stop doing finales on Memorial Day weekend when half the people are down the shore and doing something else on a Sunday that they don't want to be watching HBO at nine o'clock on a Sunday. Then again, I was really responsible. I stayed in Philadelphia and I said, I want to be there for the finale. And I dropped a tweet after the finale was over. I got a little bit of blowback on it saying, Hey, what are we doing? Spoilers now. And I just want to say, I don't believe in spoilers. I don't think in the year 2023 spoilers are real because why can I watch it and wait 15, 30 minutes after the show to drop a innocuous, you know, meme when other people can just stay off of Twitter or social media and mute words like succession, mute words like Tom Wamsgams, mute words like Shiv and whatnot. If you don't want to get spoilers, catch up and watch it the day of the finale. And I know people have lives and stuff, but once again, stay off of social media. I mean, I did it with uh, Breaking Bad. I caught up in the last season and uh, I wasn't spoiled. I was five seasons behind. What do you think about that? I don't believe in spoilers. I think that's a fucking terrible take. Okay, go ahead. Why? Like, what? <laughs> <Can't we forget laughs> you know, it's a good take, but it's also a bad take. And here's why. 
you you don't have a you don't have a problem like possibly ruin it ruining it for people who haven't seen it yet if they no. may they see all this buzz they hear people talking about succession they see it trending on twitter i mean maybe it's the thing that pushes them over the edge to like oh maybe i should go watch the series or whatever but i want to see some dipshit on twitter say what happened like what happens at the end because then it's like it then it's gonna like kill kill my interest in watching that show. But but I wasn't like Logan Roy comes back from the dead and he takes uh, over. Uh, 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 Roy well, quote. There we go. So there we go. He doesn't come I back. Don't from know, the dead I don't know who any of these people are anyway. So it doesn't. I watched the first half of it, it was okay, but it felt like it was slow. I, I now that I know here's the thing. I'll give you my example. Now that I see everybody talking about it again and saying succession, succession, succession. Like okay, well maybe I go back and. And, and watch it and pick up where I left off, you know? So I don't want somebody telling me like that, you know, what, you know, give me hints of what happened because I'm going to be sitting there the whole time thinking like, Oh yeah, this thing's in the back of my head. Cause I remember when dipshit Kyle went on Twitter that night and like, you, know, you would have never, you would have never picked it up though. What I, what Here's I did. The thing I that like is I didn't give, you would have been thinking, but I would have been thinking of it. Like, what does that mean? Like, who is this guy? Like there's something stuck there. You plan well, your five seasons back. behind. So it's like, Four. Four, sorry, you're four seasons behind, man. Like it's at some point, if you weren't going to start it, you're not going to start it. And if you start it a year from now, everything you come across on Twitter, in life, in publications, mm -hmm. in other movies or TV shows that these are guys are all going to be on, you're probably going to stumble on, you know, what happened. You know, the 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 best thing you could do, and like this is what gave me a little bit of hope. I mean, I'm going to watch it anyway. I, I finally got my wife to watch Succession. So it's like an episode a night and like it gets broken up from time to time. But we we watched season two's finale last night. And I was like, you know what? The, where we started at, it would have been if we had watched an episode every night with a couple of lapses, we would have been able to line up with the season four finale. Didn't happen. So the thing that gave me hope though is the tweets that I did see, I saw people saying they nailed the finale or that was a really great finale, or they landed the plane. And there was a really funny tweet that said, apparently for HBO to have a good finale, all they had to do was drop the HBO for Max. So that was okay. And and if, you're, if you haven't watched the show before, then I think knowing that the end of it is satisfying is going to get you to watch it. People who hadn't watched Game of Thrones and then saw people shitting all over season, was it eight was the last one? Yeah. Like seeing them shit all over that season finale and saying it might be the worst series finale of all time. Then you go into it and you go like, do I really want to invest the time to watch seven prior seasons and then go in and watch this last one that sucks? You know, so we'll see. But why do you have to go on Twitter and talk about it anyway? Why can't you just like text your buddies or whatever and say, yo, I can't believe when so-and-so did this or whatever. Like what's the upside? Because engagement is king. It's yeah. the shared experience. Like we don't, the, the one thing that we don't get is you, you don't get those 25 million people watching a season finale or a series finale like you did in the 90s, right? Yeah. Like that, that doesn't happen anymore. And there are a few limited shows that actually do draw in enough of an audience that you get to kind of have that collective shared experience where it's even more so than like going to the bar to watch it or going you know somewhere to, to watch it as a group. You've got everybody who might be aligned with you on Twitter. It does make sense. It's just that, like, if you're not well, careful. Succession, I mean, yeah, there's got to be a certain threshold for that. Succession was is 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 was was popular, but it it, it wasn't Game of Thrones. No, you know? Nothing will ever be Game of Thrones where it's appointment yeah. television. You have to be at your yeah. 
on I mean, your people couch. weren't going out people weren't going out to succession parties you know to watch on the projector screen or something like that so i don't know what the limit is for like how many people x oh. amount of people need to be into something for it to for it to go beyond the point where you're spoiling it for anybody because make the assumption that everybody knows what the hell you're talking about you know well, how about now that netflix releases eight episodes at a time so am i supposed to wait for everybody to get past their eight episodes or if i watch eight episodes in 48 to 72 hours and i can't tweet about it until hey we got a statue of limitations on uh when kyle can tweet about i don't know yeah, uh, yeah. Insert- now when you when you logged into netflix the other day did they ask you if you were watching from home no i, I heard that they're i heard that they're uh charging more for every password being used yeah. now so that's gonna suck yeah, I think my wife just clicked ignore and just punted the, the for a little bit. Yeah, but I like that. No, I don't. I don't, I get why they do it. Why they only release like one thing at a time, and it's a pain in the ass, man. Because I'm like, because when you get caught up on stuff, I'm like, all right, you know, <laughs> it's, I, it's available. It's there. Like, why? What? You know, it's like you're making me wait. I guess because you want me to like flip around the menu and find something else to watch in the meantime. I, I guess that's a strategy. I don't know, but it's. It's a pain in the ass because I feel like I can dive more into a series. Like I can consume more of it and like be engrossed in it if I can rip off like two or three in a row. You know, I don't feel as attached to something when I got to wait every Friday night for it to come out. You know, I got pissed off when Netflix started doing the half seasons like Money Heist was such a good show. And like the yeah. last season, they did, what's that head shake? I, cu- I couldn't read the subtitles, man. And the, and the, the, and the, and the audio the didn't line up with the freaking name of oh, the voices. No, 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 no. Well, anyway, you get like the first eight episodes or whatever, first six episodes, and you're like all in on it. And then it's like, oh, by the way, three months from now, you get the second half. And it's like, well, I just did that with uh, Yellowstone and it sucks. Oh, really? Yeah. Yellowstone sucks now. So it doesn't matter. That's brutal. Um, Speaking of sucks, um, or or maybe not sucks, are you hyped, Russ, for uh, this battle of traditional NHL powers in the Stanley Cup finals? Florida Panthers. And the Vegas Golden Knights, who have now been to more Stanley Cup finals than the Flyers since 2000, since 1997, despite only existing since 2017. Is that right? Yeah. That's not good. Sounds about right. Um, No. No. Here's a a serious exercise. Let me, let me, I'm going to ask a serious question for Kyle Pagan. The current rosters right now of the Panthers and the Knights. How many players can you name? Me, five maybe. Okay. How many? How many can you name? list? Immediately start listing every uh, goal. Bob Kachuk, um, Claude Giroux, um, <laughs> Petrangelo. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Still Petrangelo. Yeah. Um. All right, four, four. Nope, three. Giroux uh, oh, left Florida after last season. He'll get his ring. He'll get his ring. Yeah. Does he get a ring, or does he? You do we get an apology first? Do you think? Oh, good question. Good mm-hmm. question. Well, we know that he's going to be back in the playoffs next year because he missed this year and he made it the year before. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't think the Senators are going to do anything next year, though. So, you know. But are you are you Nuggets Heat or are you Golden Knights uh, versus the Panthers? What, what which one is is getting the TV one? I like basketball better than hockey, so I guess I'll, really? I'll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew I grew up playing very poorly as a little white guy, playing basketball. Basketball and soccer were my two sports. Like I I I am more of a fan of watching two random NBA teams 
the thing is the NBA finals, I think are going to end pretty quickly. Like I, I think that there's a legitimate path to the nuggets sweeping. And if not, it's like a five game series. I don't see six or seven at all. You you could have said that last series against Celtics too, though. Like everyone had the Celtics in four, maybe five. I didn't. I think a lot of people did though. They might have. I mean, it was plus yeah. four hundred. It, it was it was plus four hundred in that series, and it's plus two eighty five against the Nuggets right now. You know what though? Like if if you were honest about your assessment of that series, like I I had the Heat to win Game One because I yeah. thought that they were so complacent against the Sixers in Game One. And and the thing I kept writing this like every single post that I think I wrote for Newsweek or whatever other site we were writing stuff for. I'd put like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have this unbelievable penchant for disappearing in for stretches and games and being like adverse to shooting in the fourth quarter. And like it kept rearing its ugly head. Like the fact that Boston came back to level that series is honestly remarkable. And I don't think Kevin maybe could speak to this better, but like I, I can't think of more games in which a star player has finished with 30 plus points that have felt as hollow as what Jason Tatum did this postseason. Like you would, You'd yeah. see, oh, he's got 29 points, and we're in the fourth quarter, like six minutes to go. But then if you do the the breakdown by quarter, it's like he's no-showed since, you know, halfway through the second. Like, great, he got all those points early, but, like, then he just gets complacent. Like, Boston, I'm sure, is lighting itself on fire today because of what happened. But, like, Tatum, Tatum and Brown can't work, That's or they're going to have to fundamentally change the crew around them. If this were Philly, if it if that team were the Philly team, we would be openly advocating for jettisoning at least one of those guys. After you were, you weren't on, you weren't behind the scenes when we were talking about this, but I I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, twenty four year old and a twenty six year old, all NBA players. The East is wide open for the next two two years, three years. So it's yeah, but like, the all NBA thing is also skewed because you had a bunch of actual stark quality players that weren't eligible or or had long periods of injury, like a Kevin Durant. So like I don't think in a normal year, I don't think Jalen Brown makes all NBA. You don't I mean, think he made Jaylen, it? I mean, but he's like a he's a he's a top fifteen, top twenty player. I mean, he's still you still have no. He's like top twenty five, maybe. Well, I mean, I don't want to do this exercise where we're going to name 25, 24 players better than Jalen Brown, but and I think that's I think that's wrong. I I, I mean, I know Jalen Brown had a tough game. I know eight turnovers sucks and everything, but man, I think I was more scared of him than he, I was scared of Jason Tatum. Problem, he, he and Tatum had a lot of the same things. They they had a lot of the same problems and they had a lot of the same complacency issues. I just don't think you can win with those two. I don't think you the the way that I think you build a team is you need to have two stars who play a different enough style or complement each other those two play too much of a similar style for it to work you need you need like a, a booker and a durant you need like a jamal murray and a Jokic. you need whatever the whatever elite guard like say the sixers mm-hmm. trade for dame a dame and an mb like you need two guys that play a different enough style you, i don't think you can win with your two best players being elite wing players but nothing in the paint that's just where I'm at. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't know. I think no. we're kind of, I think we're kind of being hypocrites here because I think we all were talking about how Embiid can't, you can't win with your big guy being your best guy, and this is a wing-driven league. I mean, Steph Curry and and Clay Thompson just won the title last year. They don't play both, the same. They don't play the same. Don't play the same position, but they're both wings. Yeah, but they don't play the same position. One's a ball dominant. Guard. No one plays the same position as a guy that's in a lineup there. Like Tatum and Brown play. Like a, a quasi small forward. 
Well, they play the same way. I mean, you can split hairs about positions, but they both want the ball in their hands. They both want to pick and roll or ISO. And like, it's really like, it's ultimately like redundant how they, you know, how they operate, right? I mean, you look at like, let's talk about Jamal Murray real quick, who's been better than both of those guys Mm -hmm. in the playoffs, but doesn't really get a lot of talk because he plays for Denver and because Jokic is there, you know? But Murray has had games of what? He's had 40-point games in the playoffs. I think against the Lakers, he had like 37 in two straight games. I think he averaged over 30 30 per game. I think he averaged like 33 points in the Lakers sweep. Yeah, yeah, it was like 26 points in in the prior round up to 33 or something like that. They've got a mix. Like Denver's got a mix of dudes who who can do some different things. I mean, Jokic obviously is like a unicorn. He's unique. But Jamal Murray is just as good of a two-way guard and a scorer as as any of these dudes that we're talking about, you know? Mm -hmm. And they just sleep on him. And I don't know, maybe that's that's part of the Philly thing too because we do the Jokic – Embiid thing, and we think the Nuggets suck and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, like they're they're damn good. Like honestly, I think I've got them. I think I've got Nuggets four to two. That that line is shitty too on on the series win for Denver too. I think they're like minus four hundred to win. Yeah, they jumped up. Yeah, because I was gonna actually, I was was looking into part parlaying them winning the series and and Vegas winning the series, but I couldn't get anything good on. I think Vegas was minus one thirty to win the Stanley Cup. And I think, you know, Denver minus 400, what is that going to get me? Like one plus 120 or something? It's not worth it. So I think I say I say Nuggets in five or six, and I say Knights in five or six too. Like I watched a little bit of the NHL playoffs. Florida, and like I know I know Vegas had a bunch of overtime games against Dallas, but but Florida to me just, I don't know. Vegas can go for like five or six goals, no problem, on any given night. And like I, I see Florida like being on this run where, how many overtime games did they win against the Canes, Russ? Like two or like two or three or something. Yeah. Like those were like razor thin, even though they were, I mean, even though they they ended up winning that series easily. I mean, those games were really close at the end. So I don't know. I just don't think they're gonna be very competitive. I, I don't know what I don't know what Miami has against against Jokic. You know, they they have nothing because ba- like Bam Bam isn't a good matchup and they have nothing on the bench. No. The the best thing that can honestly happen, like if if you're a hockey fan, the best thing that can happen is the NBA Finals wrap up real fast, because people are going to yeah. be looking for games that aren't baseball, you know, like that's it. So your your hope here to be even remotely relevant is for that series to go six or seven, and for Denver to sweep or, or pull it off in five, because then ESPN is going to shift a lot of their focus on the Stanley Cup Final, yeah. which they I, own, I said, which they own, yeah. Vegas had two overtime wins against Dallas, but I think they also had a four nothing, and then they clinched on a six nothing. So I don't know. That's that's why I just look at Vegas differently than than the Panthers right now. Vegas, but I, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what what Miami is gonna. I don't know. I don't see what kind of resistance they're putting up putting up against that team. You know. So I have a I have a future on on Miami. So look at me, you know, with red colored glasses right now. So uh, <laughs> it's they've done the unthinkable. So like, that's why I can't count them out. Like Caleb Barton makes no sense. Duncan Robinson makes no sense. I know obviously game six wasn't the greatest Duncan Robinson performance, but he had a good performance at game seven. Um, Struess makes no sense. Gabe Vincent makes yeah. no sense. And it's just led by heat culture and Jimmy Butler. I mean, I really do think Pat Rowley has made a deal with the devil. He looks like a guy who would have made a deal with a devil to sell his soul. He doesn't care about his soul. Bam out of bio, I'm out on. I agree with the whole Jokic stuff and everything. They might not be able, and and I think Denver had a great team around both their stars. But Jimmy's hurt. Makes I, sense. I think I think Jimmy's hurt. 
And I think that's that's what's going to ultimately doom them. They, if they try to bring Tyler Hero back for game three, they have they have the potential. That'll, that'll do one of two things, obviously. It's either going to totally screw up chemistry or he's going to be able to make up for Jimmy's lack of production. So, like, go series by series really quick. Uh, Butler in the first round against Milwaukee shot 59.7% from the field, shot 44% from deep. <laughs> which are unsustainable numbers in every way, especially for him because he's not a yeah, good three-point shooter. They said the good. first three games against Boston, they said the same thing. It was unsustainable numbers, and they sustained those numbers. No, he didn't. So the semis... Team sustained. Oh, okay. The semis, he he shot 43.2% from the field and only 11.1% from three. Bad. He only had one game where he made a, a three-pointer. That's not great. In the Boston series, he shoots just a little bit lower, 42%. He shoots 30, just under 35% from three. But the, the whole thing, so much of what they need in order for them to be successful is for Butler to hit those threes because he only made a three-pointer in three games in the series, and two of them happened to be game one, a road win, game seven, a road win. The other games, he got shut out. Uh, or Wait, no, he had, one in, he had one in game four. But, like, I, I don't see it. I don't. If this were reversed, if Miami had finished off Boston quickly and Jimmy had a week to heal, whatever that means for that ankle, then I think they might have a better shot. I don't see Denver coming out looking rusty. I just don't think it's going to happen. And like, I know that the joke is always, and like, this is the Spike Eskin joke about like playing in altitude. But like, if you're Miami, you're coming off a tough seven game series. It was a physical series. And now you're flying cross country to go play in Denver at altitude on what two or three days rest. Like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see them going into Denver and, and like smacking them like they did to Boston. Culture. Heat culture. So what's the so all right, let's let's remove the so I threw a poll up on the Twitter last night. It's asking, you know, who would you rather see win a ring if you had to, Butler or Jokic? And 80% of people said Jimmy. I guess because they that's a large portion of local fans who feel like the Sixers should have never let him let him go and they want to see him win a ring, you know. Um, but like I don't know, if you if you remove that, if you remove the Butler Sixers connection from it, what is the storyline for like what is the national storyline for like, like what what is what is tnt or whoever the fuck is broadcasting it what do they gotta, like focus on and harp in on here like Jokic finally getting his ring is that what they're gonna they're gonna push the revenge of the markeith morris series Merwin Merwin Jokic smacked markeith <laughs> yes, morris last year yeah. and jimmy butler said meet me in the back like yeah, but I don't think there's. A, I don't. I'm not what because because people were like already talking about like already when the Heat were up three nothing. They're like, oh god, this is gonna be the worst series ever. Ratings are gonna suck and blah blah. And then you got the basketball purists who come back and say, I'd love to watch, you know, Spol a Spolstra team go against Jokic. You know, I mean, it's like pure basketball too. It's an underdog story too, which is also which sells. Well, yeah, I mean, so is is that it? And I mean, is that it for the NHL series as well? Because I can't I can't find a damn thing over there. I mean, okay, the Panthers being a wild card and knocking off the Bruins, and I, I think hockey's different not. because eight seeds have done it before. That's yeah. why it doesn't feel like an underdog story. I think everybody like whether this is true or not, but you can just ride a hot goalie to the Stanley Cup Finals, like. Well, nobody gives. They, I mean, they also won the President's Trophy last year, which is why I don't think people are looking at Florida as being this like real underdog story. Like they they yeah. had the most points in the NHL a year ago. They, they you made also the Heat were number one seed. Same thing. Yeah, that's fair. 
Yeah, I mean, when you look at like the top, the top seeds from like the Western Conference this year, okay, like the Grizzlies, the Kings, you know, the, the Lakers and the Warriors ended up advancing. Like it's less of the Cinderella stuff now, I think, because you know teams that are quote unquote not as good can 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 get there. But I'm just looking. I'm looking at this like I'm looking at both of these matchups, and the only thing I can really think of is like. Butler finally getting his ring. Jokic getting a, a ring to go along with the MVP. Denver. The coaches are not. Spolcher's already got one. Does anybody give a shit about Mike Malone? Probably not. Um, anybody give a shit here about Sergey Bobrovsky winning a, a well, ring? The, the no. thing that makes it harder, I think, in the NHL, and like maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy. The NBA, we spend the entire season looking at the standings. We spend the entire year looking at who's going to be in that play-in game, right? The the play-in tournament now at the bottom of the conference. You're cognizant of where your team is, one through eight. And the NHL, you're not, right? Because of the way that the conference is aligned and the way that the playoff structure is done by division winners and then the rest. Like if even if you just do a very simple Google search for like uh NHL playoff, whatever, bracket, NHL playoff standings. In most cases, you're taken to a page that shows the division standings, and then you have to go to like a sub page to find the wild card standings. Like I couldn't tell you at the beginning of this playoffs, like uh, who was the sixth seed. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. I can tell you what the matchups were, but I don't. It's not. It's not as important in the grand scheme of things in the NHL the same way that it is with the NBA, which I think is another reason that like the. Florida Panthers don't seem like this huge underdog story. The thing for Miami is like it's the undrafted. Like it's yeah. it's Jimmy and the undrafted guys against, you know, the the two-time MVP who was like surrounded in controversy because people thought that he's he should have won it this year. If you're a Sixers fan and you actually want them to keep Joel Embiid this offseason, you should want Nikola Jokic to win the Larry O'Brien trophy this year. Without a doubt. And you should also want him to take home the Bill Russell MVP, finals MVP award. Because you would hope that that's going to further motivate Joel Embiid because it would flip a bunch of narratives and it would almost undermine Embiid's MVP this year because you'd go, all right, well, you got your regular season award. You kind of flamed out in the playoffs. And this guy who who beat you for the award two years in a row just led his team, did something that like I'm not convinced Joel can do, be the number one guy as a big man in the NBA and like lead his team to an NBA championship while also being – the most valuable player in the series. Like if, if you want the motivation and the fire, that's the way to do it. I don't think Jimmy winning it motivates Joel Embiid anymore. I don't know, man. I'm trying to find, juice. I'm trying to find juice for both of these series. And I just like, I don't know. I, I'm, Counter, I'm, counterpoint. Bam out of bio has a really bad playoffs. Jimmy Butler has a great finals. Joel Embiid requests a trade down to Miami to go help his boy. That's fine. There are good pieces on Miami that you could extract. I don't know. Uh, they bring back some of these young two. Haywood Highsmith? Yeah, bring him back. Bring back bring Haywood back Highsmith. Sixers, Haywood Highsmith. Russ, what, what is it that um, – what does Vegas do well? Not necessarily <laughs> like in, in, in comparison to the Flyers. Buffets, <laughs> casinos. <laughs> UFC events. They, UFC they, events. they really do virtually everything well, and they're deep. It, it's the thing that's going to give Florida fits is like you you don't get a line shift off. Like that really is the truth. They're solid defensively. They're solid in goal. They have probably the best offense. I mean, obviously remaining here, I think they're a more potent offensive team than Florida is. 
Florida is so dependent on Kachuk to perform versus like Vegas can just do it up and down the lineup, which yeah. is how they can go. They can go and absolutely blow out Dallas in a game seven. Uh, I don't see a tremendous weak spot. We talked about it on Snow the Goalie last week. Anthony is of the belief that like Vegas is a lot of smoke and mirrors, but he even even still he said that he he thinks that they could you know mop up Florida pretty quickly. So, but I'm just like yeah, I'm because I'm wondering if there's a you know a section of Flyers fans who look at look at an expansion team going to two finals in the span of six years and say like what the hell are we doing you know but i mean any any other team in the nhl could look at vegas and think the same thing you know so it's yeah. not exclusively like a flyers thing but i mean are people pissed off about that are they like look at the, if these guys can figure it out then surely we can yeah i think people across the league have always been upset with the way that the vegas expansion draft went yeah. because it felt like th- that's where you come back to that idea of like because of the way that the protections worked on players they were pretty much poaching a bunch of second and third liners. And like, yeah, you might not start your first season with that elite top end talent, you know, your, your sniper or your, your one C, but like just on aggregate, you're picking up a bunch of second and third liners like that, that over time is, is going to make you competitive. They did a lot of like pre expansion draft deals. Yeah. It was like, Hey, don't touch this guy and we'll give you. And Seattle did it differently too, but like you saw, Seattle made it into the playoffs. Seattle looked like they had a legitimate shot to advance far in the postseason. The second the round, man. I mean, they they knocked off, yeah, they knocked off the Avalanche in their second year. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I think the hockey discussion is killing Pagan right now. Well, yeah, I have a couple more things I want to get into. One thing, uh, breaking news: Bob Myers uh, is stepping down. Um, I think there was a lot of rumors going on there four-time champion GM and president of basketball operations over there at the Warriors. And then uh, U.S. men's national team will be led by interim manager B.J. Callahan this summer. Kevin, as the soccer head, good move. Is this the future? uh, Is is this the next next head coach of the U.S. men's team? No, he's interim, but he's a former Philadelphia Union assistant. B.J. Callahan was here for many years next to Jim Curtin, and B.J. uh, ran like their set pieces and their dead ball routines and stuff. He ended up with the United States setup, and when they fired Greg Berhalter, Greg Berhalter's contract ran out after the World Cup. They've just been kind of kicking the tires, waiting on hiring the next coach. So, the the interim guy took a new job, and he was the next interim up. So, Kevin, do you want to do you want to say the silent part outside or out loud that nobody wants to say, but is totally feeling it in the uh, Chester waterfront? You can say it. If Jim Curtin doesn't actually get a look at the head coaching position of the men's national team, Jesse Marsh is still floating out there. Mm. And Jesse Marsh is one that's long been rumored as somebody that the team could look at. Yeah. Jesse Marsh, Jim Curtin uh, go together like meat and potatoes. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Jim Curtin make a move to the national program at some point. And I Would think he he's had a contract at the end of this year, right? Yeah, he's had a con- his contract expires at the end of the year, and the front office is on the record saying that they want to get it taken care of. But I mean, there's no it's no secret that Jim would love to coach the national team. And really, the only other slam dunk candidate that everybody seems to think is Jesse Marsh coming back from Leeds, you know. So, but I don't know, man. It's it's interesting because like Jim Jim lives in like queen village and he's got three young kids and like they like being in the city in their home so i don't i don't know what it would take for jim Curtin to to leave to up it would have to be good i mean like if the united states national team job opens up of course you'd leave the union you have that. to but i don't think he would go to like can't do uh, both pick a, pick a team in europe like would he go to yeah. germany 
Can, can't do both. Kyle, no, no, you you Greg, don't. Greg Popovich, you, you don't do. It's not like it's not like basketball where you lead the Olympic team, but you're still coaching an NBA team. Like yeah, it's the a idea full-time. of full-time. like you you wouldn't see like Marsh has been rumored like with Monaco. You're not going to take that job and also coach the men's national team. It's it's spreading yourself right. too thin. Got it. All right, that was former Philadelphia former Philadelphia assistant coach in the national team. It's pretty crazy to <laughs> to it think that it ended up like that. Yeah. That was some blue collar union talk. I like it. Yeah, I'm really disappointed. I missed the Nick Nurse stuff. That well, what do you want to say? I don't want. To I was like, Nurse I was kind of anti Nick Nurse at the start of the off season, and the more I thought about it, the better I felt. Because the the one thing that you didn't see, Ime Adoka would have been the best candidate. I think if if you had gone into this and you knew at the end of the regular season, we stack up every name that's been rumored for each head coaching opportunity. Ime Adoka would have been number one. I think pretty much across the board. Nick Nurse is probably number two. The thing that's always confounded me is like this idea that Sam Cassell is going to be a diametrically different coach than Doc Rivers. He's he's been yeah. on the bench with him for years. Like I I don't know. You would think that if that were true, that he would have gotten a, a more serious look. I'll just be interested to see if any of Doc's assistants get retained. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we talked to Keith Compey on uh, last Thursday. He had some really good things to say about Sam Cassell, about how he's the only one who goes to every meeting and whatnot. I would have liked to, I would like to know more. I, I always say I would, I, I'm waiting for somebody to write a profile on what Doc did here and what he didn't do. Like, like why was he just? Why would he refuse to make in-game adjustments and why would he bury guys on the bench? I mean, I don't know if it'll ever be written about Pop. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, I got one more for you, Scott Rowland, going to the Wall of Fame. For the Phils. Um, that is going to be must-watch television. I believe it's on August 12th. Scott Rowan is getting in with uh, a GM and a former owner of the Phillies. Um, it's interesting. You know, there is nothing Phillies fans like more than to boo somebody who never wanted to play here and forced his way out. Um, it'll be interesting to see the reception he gets. What do you uh, what do you think about it other than the wall of fame for the Phillies is becoming a joke after every year? It's becoming a joke. That that's I mean, that's, Kev, you that's, don't have to say anything, but Russ, Scott, I think you agree with me. No, but Scott Rowland was not even liked was no. not was not liked no, before he before he went into the Hall of Fame, right? It doesn't change any, you know. The, I'm not the saying problem that's, is it's gonna always feel like any Hall of Fame player or fringe Hall of Fame player that ever played more than two seasons in Philadelphia is going to be somebody that they're going to want to put on the wall. Yeah, I mean, you got to stop. You, like at some point, you got to cut. Rutasian is going to be on the wall. I mean, they're they're. We all want to laugh, but I mean, would it shock you? Like, how long until Polanco's on the wall? <laughs> like, I mean, it's. Oh, but hold on, Placido Polanco came back, baby. He came back to play third when he was when they needed it the most. He had a big dome. We loved Placido Polanco. If, if Jose Mesa doesn't attack some poor worker down in the uh, favelas with a machete, does he get on the wall? Probably does. That wasn't Jose Mesa. That was... Um, oh, Ugith Urbina. Sorry, my ball. Urbina. Urbina was the machete man. Whoops. Yeah, that was a real <laughs> hatchet job. Our apologies <laughs> to Jose Mesa. Don't go after Joe Table like that, okay? No, here's the thing, though. I'm fine with the Scott Rowland thing. I mean, the guy was was awesome for six, seven years here. This is GM John Quinn guy. 
he uh, he arch- he was the architect of this of the fifty nine to the seventy two teams. Um, <laughs> if anyone gets a chance, go read his Wikipedia. It's basically like he took over. He got Jim Bunning, went through three years of mediocrity. Uh, they were destined to win the pennant, and then they had, went on a ten game losing streak and came in second. Then he got Steve Carlton in a trade and was fired the next year. <laughs> it was like got guys around him, couldn't win the big one. Kind of was 500 his whole life. No one really remembers the 59 to 72 Phillies, and now he's on the Wall of Fame. I mean, every owner and GM is going to be on the Wall of Fame at some point in their life. It feels like a legitimate reach, and it's not like it. It's not like you were waiting for eligibility, right? It's it's not yeah. like you were looking at somebody who's like a recent retiree. So yeah, but when they put Lieberthal on what, was Shut last, last year was Lieberthal. What? That's that is a a friend of the program. I know he and, is. A guy who gave his knees for that organization. Uh huh. Okay, sure. You guys don't want to talk about the exciting series split that the Phillies had against the Braves. You don't want to talk about that that came out today that people can go listen to. You don't want to talk about last night's pitching, pitching performance. Can we just talk about the fact that San Filippo continues to gaslight the fans about Aaron Nola? Like, is there is there anything more on brand right now than Anthony? I He and I got into it before we started recording Snow the Goalie last week. And I said something as a joke, like, before we hit record. And he starts going on this, like, bullshit tangent with numbers and, like, all this nonsense. The, the same way that, like, he hates hockey analytics where he's like, oh, you, know, you got to watch the game. You can't look at a bunch of graphs and blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, dude. He's not worth thirty million a year, or thirty-five, or forty, whatever the hell he wants, because he wants over two hundred million, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's just not worth it. He goes, well, who else eats up innings like that? I'm like, I don't give a shit if he eats up innings. You can find opinion. innings eaters in Major League Baseball that aren't going to cost you forty million a year. The guy just caves when it matters the most. If they had an even relatively competent Aaron Nola in the World Series, they win the World Series last year. But he's not. The issues with the long ball have long been on his track record. Like it's just. He he's maddening. He's a maddening pitcher. Like there was the clip that was going around Kyle. I think you probably clipped it for crossing broad, but like the uh, on Twitter, but like the knuckle curve or the knuckle slider or whatever. And like the announcer was like, Oh my God, what was that? And it's like, cool. He threw a great pitch, but he also gave up. Was it three home runs in the game? Like let's, let's be real here. You need an ACE to pitch like an ACE. And like far too often he is not competitive and he's out of games early or he gives up an insurmountable lead so like i I don't know i i find that kind of pitcher maddening i i don't like the the peaks and valleys guy give me somebody who's steady across the uh, across the board even if he doesn't have you know top five pitcher in the game at any time stuff no i mean he's lost some i i think the the rumors were that they were coming in at like 175 180 the phillies and he wanted over 200 crazy i mean he'd be lucky to get one 125. I mean, he, he's lost himself a ton of money. I mean, quality starts are the biggest bullshit in the world. And I love that's what Ann Sanfilippo Filippo loves the quality start. I don't even know what what uh, what configures a, a quality start. But I mean, if you watch the game against against the Braves last week and you're just like, all right, Harper puts him up. All right. Another, you know, Trey Turner puts him up. Oh, here comes a homer. Oh, here comes, you know. Aaron Noel letting him back in the game. I mean, if you do go, if you do go back and, and and look at his game logs from this year, there are a lot of one runs, two runs, three runs, only a couple, four or five 
uh, of run games, but it's just when you talk to him in the same breath as Zach Wheeler or another ace on a, on a, on a team, you want the guy to show you that he's an ace, you know, go out there and, and, and shove for seven with, with no runs and whatnot. I know that's asking a lot in today's MLB, but I just, it's, I don't know anyone that thinks he's an ace. I just don't understand it. The don't problem it. is that like, the the other shitty thing is that Wheeler is not having a great season because Wheeler's the one that I always like to pump up as being the true ace of the staff, even if he doesn't get opening opening day start, right? But like if you're if you're trying to be realistic about it, like you you go back, like Anthony's written multiple pieces defending Aaron Nola. And it's like it's just you have to to kind of bend yourself, contort into a pretzel to make the numbers make sense. And like the the problem, Kyle, is that somebody will pay him close to 200 million. Somebody might even pay him more than 200 million. But just because the market dictates that someone will doesn't mean you should. That's like the same principle as Tobias Harris ending up here. Mm -hmm. Like just because somebody thought that he might have been a 30 plus million dollar guy or there was the fear that somebody was going to sign him to that on the market that offseason doesn't mean you need to be the team to do it. And that's the thing that like we see so many times is how you end up with these horrible contracts in any sport is the fear of losing the given quantity, but then also just kind of like talking yourself into it. They're like, well, we know the market's going to send or the market's going to dictate he should make X, so we should pay him X plus five. Well, no, that that's just bad business. There's no, there's no scenario here where you sign Aaron Nola for six plus years, 200 plus million dollars, where you don't spend at least four of those six years wondering what the hell you were thinking. There's just no, there's no path to it. Yeah. I don't disagree. Kev, you got anything on there, Noel? You look dead inside. <laughs> no, I just Anthony's Anthony's fighting an uphill uphill battle with that one, man. We all hey, we love who we love, don't we? They gotta get this is the only thing I got I'll say. They gotta get more like talking about Noel or whatever, but like what it what, those Bailey Falter starts would they won like one of those? No, he started over five. Well, I thought it was one for six or something or whatever. I think when they roll, when they rolled like falter or went to a bullpen game or, or whatever, like that fifth starter, I, th- I think they, have, I think the stat that I saw was that they, they're like one in 10 or mm-hmm. one in nine in those games. It says they got to figure that shit out. Man. I mean, to me, that's the biggest thing. There's no, there's no like, you know, there, there's no, um, I don't think anybody's worried about these guys not rounding into form and hit and getting back mm-hmm. to hitting the ball like they were hitting. But I mean, like the pitching is a big problem. Talk about we talk talk about Nola Wheeler, Ranger Suarez, Taiwan Walker, all you want, but that like that fifth starter like slot is an abomination. And it's Taiwan like, no, Walker was always a bat. I I still going back. Like, admittedly, it's not like I'm living and dying with every move in in baseball. But like, look at what Mets fans said when the Phillies signed Taiwan Walker. It was all elation. Because the guy has control issues. He's maddening. Yeah. They they just they almost I would have taken I'd have rathered see them spend the money on Zach Eflin, who had injury issues, who had some, you know, control problems, but at least you know what he is. And like Tampa Bay signed him. So they clearly thought something was was good about him. Tampa Bay's a good team. They're yeah. good at kind of either reclamation projects or kind of fixing getting somebody on the straight and narrow. But like Taiwan Walker, that's not the guy. Made no sense. You're not the guy, pal. It's been your you Phillies, minute. Yeah. That, I don't know. I just, I, I got no juice for the Phillies right now. I mean, I don't either. I really do. Like, <laughs> comparatively, though, look at what Eflin is doing this year, right? He's got a 317 ERA. He's seven and one for Tampa Bay, who happens to also play in a division 
with the, for some reason, good Baltimore Orioles, the Yankees, the Red Sox. Like, that's that's not a pushover division. And he's having a great year. 1.02 whip. He would have been the best pitcher on this staff. We going on a Zach Eflin victory tour right now? I'm just saying. Like, you had the guy. You had a guy that's better than Taiwan Walker. And you, you chose not to bring him back. Crazy. I don't know. I was excited when they got Walker. I'll be honest. Were you? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was an upgrade over uh, over Zach Eflin. I mean, how many times did you want to watch Zach Eflin on the DL? Yeah, I, I know you had a... IL. Sorry, IL. <laughs> God, between that and Nugath Urbina, I am, I am canceling myself on the program today. So sad. Well, Danny Small had a really good question in the comments, though. Does Didi Gregorius make the wall? Yes. Right next to... Um, Hmm. Right, right next to Ben, Craig, right right to ben Revere. Craig keeps pulling it up and I keep knocking. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just see him throw his hands up behind the scenes? Just, oh, I'm so angry. Welcome um, back to work, everybody, after a three-day weekend. I know. Is this the worst week of the year? Or is Labor Day the worst week of the year? The day after? No, Probably Labor Day is fine because all the shitty kids got to go back to school and you're like, all right. Okay, well, for people who don't have shitty kids, Memorial Day weekend. Not my shitty kids, are they? Other people's. I think Labor Day is worse. Labor Day we have we have the NFL season, it's which true. is just like nonstop content. What about uh, the day after uh, January first, New Year's? It's a pretty shitty day because you only got a couple more weeks of the NFL left, and then you got February and February. New Year's this year. Ohio launched sports betting on New Year's Day. That was hell. Okay, I mean, sorry, commercial content side. Yeah. Memorial no Day was fine. No one listened. Labor to Day, right, the NFL season. A new state launches. Not not fun. Okay. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Hey, congrats. Congrats on being featured in the uh the Flyers documentary. That's not what that is, but yeah. Is it a documentary? No, bud. The fl- uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Give it give, give okay. us give us so a 30 second. The Flyers, the Flyers put out a uh a teaser last week of this video series they're working on, Liftoff, which triggered a bunch of like the people who just want to shit on everything that they do. They are setting they they are setting them up for for to be like jokes endless jokes. They're not though. They, they this is I don't know how to feel because I'm not negative. But like my thing is I keep coming back to the the idea. What, oh oh he's pulling the video up. The thing that that is clear is that they have said again and again it's going to be a long rebuild. It's going to be a multi-year process. They're not trying to put out a video like this to sell people on the notion that like a playoff fringe team or a bubble team at best is going to win the Stanley Cup. Like, so they put this thing out, this liftoff thing, where they're trying to tout the fact that like they are in the process of trying to rebuild the whole thing. And some people, I, I think people are more open to it now because they've now seen and heard Jonesy do his thing and he's convincing. Briere do his thing. He's convincing. They already like Tortorella. Most people did. And like Hilferty did a really good job at that introductory press conference of like not being Dave Scott. Val Camillo did her thing. She came on our show. People seem to be more positive about her after she was on our show. Like, but she's not going to be in the hockey decision-making process. So like you add all these things up, I think they're fine. They can do their, their video series. But they they put one out, a teaser. It was like two minutes. And they led with a national show. They led with um, Elliot Friedman oh, and so Jeff this was edit This was edited by a Snow the Goalie listener. Yes, this was. So oh. 
they cool. did their own teaser thing. And on our show, we said, it's great that you want to incorporate one of the national shows, but Elliot Friedman isn't Woj and he's not like Jeff Passan. Like he's not the number one national guy. So it's weird that they like made him the voice of the first video, the first 20 or 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And we said, and like I even said, there are places and local pundits that you could have gone with. I mean, Gargano is at least hockey knowledgeable and has a recognizable voice and is on the flagship station. You're not going to use WIP people because the, the rights are owned by the fanatic. Uh, Anthony countered with Hunter Brody, who's on the afternoon show. But I, I said between that show not being good and the fact that I don't think people really know Brody all that well, I don't know if that would have worked. But I said like between our show, between Broad Street Hockey, between like a few of the other shows that have like decent followings, I think it would have made more sense to go with a local flair. I think you go national voice when you are ready to contend. Like that's where I think you bring in those you know bigger guns. In the meantime, use the local people. So BJ Beretta, one of our longtime listeners, he edited a uh, another thing in like the twenty four seven style using mm -hmm. me and Anthony and Bundy, and it was cool. I like it was I, very I well done. I, I thought it was real. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, that's kudos to him. It it yeah. it seems like totally legit and real, which is awesome. So we have we have really cool listeners. That's that's one thing about it is we have we have some very very cool nice people who do cool and nice things. Shout out to BJ. The memes are going to be great at the Flyers fail. I'm just saying the memes are going to be great. They are. They're going to be great. It's going to be liftoff like the uh, last Elon Musk uh, SpaceX rocket, right? Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Yeah, the memes are going to be great. I, I mean, I hope I wish the, the, the Flyers the best, but uh, you know, if it, if, it, if it fails, it's just, you know, same old retread Flyers guy you hired and Flyers guy you hired for another front office position. And you, you know that you got to know that. I mean, it's risky and can write the book if it works. Relitigating this with you is painful. No, no, that, no, I'm just saying Kev, Kev is checked out. He's thinking about a zero turn riding lawnmower electric right now. Um, maybe this there, is a good time. There are slots for eight different batteries. I actually read the review. Kevin should have first reached out or had somebody from XL Media reach out to the uh, company about mm -hmm. doing uh, an affiliate listing. Yeah. Nice little, you know, get get some crossing broad fellow dads to uh, mm. to follow an affiliate link and buy a lawnmower and get a kickback. Yeah. Well, it's always got from Philadelphia. You know, mow, yeah. mow your lawn like the professionals. You guys let me know when you're ready for that, and then we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> all right. Let's end it there. Uh, we, we've already gone 15 minutes over. Uh, all right. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, to everybody. Listen, Ross, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Craig, on the ones and twos, Kev, listeners, all you guys, we will talk to you on Thursday.